Hello everyone, Buzz here. Just wanted to pop in here ahead of today's episode with an announcement. The companion album to this project, Beyond the Doorway, will be released October the 6th exclusively on Bandcamp. To begin with, anyway. So a couple of reasons I'm doing this is that Bandcamp is the platform that pays the most to their artists, percentage-wise. The idea is that I would like to pay those I interviewed for their participation, even if it's just a little bit each. Since I do see this as a collaborative effort, and I didn't have, and I didn't have any upfront money. Bandcamp allows you to pay the set amount for the music, or you can choose any extra amount. So if you'd like to donate a little more, you can do that. And you can set whatever amount you desire. I will be releasing the music elsewhere later, like on iTunes and Amazon, and I'll let you know when that happens. Thank you everyone so much for the support you've given on this project. It's been truly wonderful, and I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact the show at beyondthedoorwaypodcast at gmail.com. That's beyondthedoorwaypodcast at gmail.com. And also, I'll put it in the show notes. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to The Bargain Basement Butterflies Presents Beyond the Doorway. I'm your host, Buzz Lee. And on this podcast, I interview friends of mine about their personal paranormal stories. Then I take clips of those interviews, and I put them to music. Don't you dare turn off the light. There's something out in the night. In through open windows and down dark hallways. There's something just beyond the door. Welcome back to Beyond the Doorway. I'm your host, Buzz Lee, and this is Episode 7, Bad Energy with Kerr Sandvik. After listening through to this interview, I realized I forgot to do one important thing. I forgot to have Kurt plug his podcast. So that's what I'm going to do right here in the intro. Kurt Sandvik has a podcast called Paranormal Almanac, and he talks about all things paranormal. The way that I found his podcast, I was looking for a new show to listen to, and I just typed in paranormal, and a bunch of shows popped up, and what caught my attention was the the cover art for his show is a TV with static on it, and it says paranormal almanac in it, and it just reminded me of Poltergeist, which was one of my favorite shows growing up, even though it terrified me. One thing that Kurt does in the show, he does a bit called paranormal news, which is just current events going on paranormal-wise. A while back, he had asked for people to send in bumper music for to kind of introduce this section. When he do paranormal news each week, he would play a song. A bunch of us sent in some music, and I sent in something. Not really expecting it to be played, but more doing it for the exercise of it. And then one week, he played my music for bumper music to paranormal news. I got really excited and I, I think I sent another one right away. And I think to, for a total now, I think I've sent five or six. And we talk about this a little bit at the beginning. We don't go really in-depth into it. 
but that's kind of how I met Kurt through his podcast and we started talking back and forth and I was sending him music. When I told him the concepts of the show and I asked him if he'd be willing to do an interview, he just sent me a message back saying 1000% yes. So I'm very excited by that. Kurt's just really good down to earth guy. Toward the end, we do talk about Kurt's podcast and I ask him several questions pertaining to that podcast, but I left all that in. I left all that in because I feel it's important to the overall interview, him talking about his podcast, and it is a paranormal podcast. So check out his show, Paranormal Almanac, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please welcome this week's guest, the first para-influencer, Kurt Sandvig. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for doing this. I really super duper appreciate it. Yeah, dude, this is like, I was excited. I was like, hell yeah, I want to help you. Anyway, anything I can do to help, I'm, I'm all about that. I mean, I don't know how many, I'll be honest, like I was trying to think of it a minute ago, like how many of your bumper musics I play all the time. I think I've sent like, I think six, but I don't know. I got a bunch of buzz you know, music in there, so it's awesome. Well, I appreciate you playing it. Makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, man. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So I make, I'll kind of explain what I'm doing here. I'm not really like, I don't, I have a few questions, but I have like a super, a lot of questions. I'm just basically looking for some good freaky stories, basically. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> but I do have one question kind of as, as a starter. I've listened to a few of your other um, interviews and I don't think this has ever been asked before. I hope not. Ooh. All right. I like this. Kind of, It's a two-part question. Uh, one, well, A, what's your favorite cryptid? And B, if you could have a conversation with that cryptid, what would that conversation consist of? That is a good question. And no, I've never been asked that. <clears throat> My favorite cryptid. I mean, I have to go with either. Oh, boy, that's tough. Um, it, it, it's a tough. It's a toss-up between Bigfoot and Nessie, obviously, because those are the two cryptids that I grew up with. But I'm going to have to stick with I'm going to stick with Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Um, oh, man, I don't know. I have so many questions for Nessie. This is a tough one. I'm going to go with Bigfoot um, just because, <laughs> you know, Bigfoot are seen almost on every continent around the world. So or or, or some version of a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, a Yeti, uh, you know, a Rang Pendek, uh, Yowie, like they're in every culture. So. In my mind, it is the most logical, like this is real. There is no like, it's not even like a cryptid to me. It is just real. It's just an animal that we haven't classified yet. Um, but what would I ask him? I guess what would I ask him would be, uh, how how have you avoided us for so long? <laughs> and how long are you planning to continue to avoid us? Because I don't blame you. Right. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. That's a good I, that's but, you know, like it's a tough one because I would also say, like, when I first moved out to California uh, from Michigan is when I first heard about Chupacabra. Like maybe I'd heard it once or twice, but it wasn't until I really moved out here that like it was a thing. And I went down to Tijuana with my brother the first time and they had Chupacabra shirts. And I was like, oh, my God. So I bought like every Chupacabra <laughs> shirt I could and then fell in love with the Chupacabra. But like there's. There's just too many, there's too many cryptids out there that I want, I want to meet. I want to see them all is what the answer is. I want to see every one of them. Right. I like that. I've heard you say before that you've kind of always been into um, the paranormal and everything. Yeah. Uh, do you remember like maybe what was the first moment 
you just like what was kind of the first thing that caught your attention when you were younger? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, um, well, I mean, we can it can be brought back to two things on the cryptid side of things. It was in search of in search of did an episode on uh, Bigfoot and it was I was hooked 100 percent hooked. And then they did an episode on Loch Ness as well. But um, that <clears throat> that's something classic about like Leonard Nimoy's voice talking about Bigfoot and in, you know, my however old I was, seven years old or whatever, mine just being like, oh, this is a thing. Adults are talking about it. So these are real. And they had episodes on ghosts and everything. So from like like the, you know, anytime they did a book fair at my school, I'd be the one buying the UFO books and the Bigfoot books. And then um, every time I went to the library, my mom would be like, go pick out a book. And it would always be about like UFOs or Bigfoot. So it's always been with me. But uh, my mom actually told me, a ghost story from the my grandparents house like when when she was growing up and it wasn't just like a one time story there was constant like there was there was activity at my grandparents house um it was an old farmhouse from like the uh or a schoolhouse that they made into a farmhouse from and the schoolhouse from like the 1800s and uh it burnt down and I can't find anything online about if there were any deaths but I could only imagine there were and then like I said my grandpa bought it and and you know, built it into a farmhouse. And from the very earliest, you know, get go, my mom would hear people walking upstairs when there was nobody else in the house. Like there was just always activity going on in the house. And then when I was, you know, growing up and in go stay with grandma and grandpa, it's a spooky old 1800s house. You go down to the basement. And it's all like, you know, big wood timber beams and rocks, like just thrown against the wall, like 1800 stuff. And right. you would hear stuff. But you're you're trying to you know get I you know got to be cool I can't run up the stairs like like a crazy person, <laughs> um, but uh, I would hear people walking up. We'd be we'd all be in the living room and someone would be clearly walking on the second floor of the house, and to the point where, you know, we'd all look at each other and then, I you know someone go and look and it would always be an adult and they'd go up and look and be like now nah, there's nobody up there it, it's it's a house settling it's raccoons and you know it's clearly not it was clearly footsteps and then my mom told me that the activity really happened after and I forget the the relative's name but um when her uncle died it was customary to uh to instead of going to a funeral home to see the body the body would be in the house and she remembered that the body was in the living room for you know a week or whatever it was and she said that's when it really kind of kicked off. Oh wow. Yeah, so like there's there's always been a love a love fear of of the paranormal for me and you know like to the point where I hated going down to the basement in my old house when I lived you know like that I lived in with my parents. Um but I'd always any chance I get I would be looking for ghosts or looking for UFOs or you know even Bigfoot alongside the roads driving up you know northern Michigan. That's cool. Yeah. Right. But I've always been into it. And, and I think it's something like, you know, either you somewhere along the way in life, you fall in love with the unknown, the paranormal ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, and, and you, you, you find your limit. And a lot of my friends limits are really low. They're just like, that's dumb. That's just Kurt, whatever. But there are some friends that are like, I didn't believe or I don't believe this is my favorite one is when people say I don't believe in ghosts, but and then they tell the most horrific, scary ghost story that they experienced. 
And I'm like, well, how can you not believe in it, man? You had the experience. Trust your own eyes. That's exactly it. People are afraid of that word paranormal or, or you know, like, I don't that's just dumb or scary or spook, stupid or whatever, spooky. But like you, you open it, you leave that open-ended part of, is anything unusual ever happened to you? And they'll probably start with no, but, and then they'll start telling stories from their mom or their grandma or whoever. And then they eventually will settle into right. their own story. And I'm like, there we go. I knew we'd get there. Right. Exactly. I like that. So what would you say is kind of, um, maybe not like the most terrifying, but like kind of the freakiest thing that's ever happened to you paranormal wise. Um, I mean, there's been a couple of them. The, the one that I can't explain that everybody tries to explain for me, but it's just no explanation was the, uh, I apologize if you've heard it was when Sean and myself were at David Omen's house and the Omen house is where the Sharon Tate murders happened. And we were sitting there in his living room I'm a I'm skeptically belief of, of David Omen and his house at this point, but we're sitting there in his living room or actually at his kitchen table, actually. And he pulls out this note and this photo of Sharon Tate that he said, like Lindsay Lohan or somebody had stolen and given to him. Like it was really weird. And, and so, you know, he handed it to Sean and Sean took it very gingerly and looked at the photo and was like, wow, this is cool. I've never seen like just a candid photo of Sharon Tate. There's just not that many out there. Then Sean handed it to me. And I, again, very gingerly was like, man, like this is this is something to have, even if you don't believe or, or if you don't want to talk about her death, her life, her Hollywood history. You know, that old Hollywood is right there in my hands. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I hand it back to David and he just grabs it and throws it on the table. Like, who cares? He just kind of throws it on the table kind of a thing. And the second he did that, the door that would get you out into the garage in his house unlocked and flung open. Like someone kicked it open and, wow. to the point, and there was no wind. The garage door was closed. There was no explanation for this. And the, when I was like, Oh, this is something more was when I saw the fear in David's eyes, when David Omen was like, what the hell? Like, he freaked out. And I was like, Oh my God, this is real. And we went and checked. There was no wind. There was no wind gust. There was no way. And the door was now like, like there was no way to unlock it just by unlocking it. I checked to make sure there was nobody in the garage. Like I did the, the bare minimum that I could to make sure that it was real. But that was one that I had to actually think about for a couple of minutes. And I was like, there is no rational explanation for what I just witnessed wow. at a house that's connected to Sharon Tate's murder while I'm holding or just held this candid photo of Sharon Tate. It was almost like, you know, don't disrespect that photo. You you have to like show it the reverence it deserved. And when he threw it on the table, it was like, nope. And whatever it was, just it got angry. Like that was definitely the one at his house where I was like, okay, there is something here. And then um, one from my own house where I had to have like a real, like come to Jesus moment with the ghost at my house. Um, it was raining one night. It was like two or 3 a.m. It was really, really raining. I remember it really pouring down. And I have this, I got this Kermit the Frog um, stuffed animal. I love the Muppets. And I had this Kermit the Frog stuffed animal called the Caribbean Amphibian. And it's, you can find it out there still. You squeeze its stomach and it sings, I'm a Caribbean Amphibian, but only as you squeeze it. It sings one word per squeeze. And then if you press like the foot, it'll like sing the song or most of the song or something, but you have to squeeze it to get it to work. 
And it was sitting there on my dresser, pitch black. I was asleep. And like I said, it was raining. And then all of a sudden, Kermit just starts singing to me the full song in pitch black. And I was like, nope. And I clicked on my uh, my bedside light. and I walked over to the and it's not the mouth's not moving. There's no possible way this thing could be singing. And I was like, even though it was still like kind of like mint on box, I was like, nope. And I po- I pulled it off and I started taking the batteries out. And and it can it finished the song with the batteries gone. I was like, that is impossible for it to finish the song. And that's when I I was like, yeah, all right, it's this has gone on too much. I've always had like weird ghost things that have happened in the house, but that one was like, no, like you can't knock over my vintage Star Wars figures, and you can't make this Muppet thing sing to me right. in the middle of the night. Like there's there's limits here, and you just crossed the line. And I actually talked to it, the ghost it is, um, for a good like five ten minutes in the middle of the night because I was like my heart was racing. I was like that one scared me. That one spooked me. That is like. You know, had it been singing slowly would have been in like a horror movie nowadays, you know, <laughs> right. and and it, it and then I noticed that anything that had a battery in it that could play music or play noise or whatever. Would just repeat itself, would go off, go off, go off, go off. And so I'd have to start taking the batteries out of everything that was like that. I had this like Star Trek thing that when you walk in, it makes like the Star Trek original Star Trek noise, that kind of noise. And it would just go off repeatedly. And then I was like, all right, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's an old battery. Like I got to try and rationalize this. So I took it out of my house and I gave it to a friend and I said, hold on to this thing for a week and tell me how many times it goes off or however long you want to hold on to it. Tell me how many times it goes off. And they went, it never went off the whole time it was here. It never went off. I'm like, all right. So I put it back on my wall. And the second I put it back on the wall, pst, pst, and it just started going off again and again and again. I had to take the batteries. So whatever this is that's here, you know, wants to communicate, but never wants to communicate like with um, like any of like the REM pods or any of the fun stuff that I have that can actually, you know, for paranormal investigations. But if it's something that can make a random noise, oh, it'll take advantage of that all day long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, like there's been non-believers that are at my house, a hundred percent hardcore skeptic non-believers at my house. And she was sitting on my couch, which kind of faces the kitchen. She was sitting on the couch and I was talking to her about the ghost and how weird and creepy the ghost is and kind of on a pervy level, what, you know, the ghost is. And, um, and she was like, you know, that's just dumb. There's the house settles that the, you know, things can, you know, the batteries can get low or something like moisture can connect the bat. Like she was trying to rationalize it in her mind. And while she was talking, we started hearing this rattling, just a little bit of rattling. And then it got a little louder, then a little louder, then a little louder. And it dawned on me like, all right, I know where this rattling is coming from. And so she finally was like, what, what is that? Is there a plane going on, like flying over your house? And I said, no, it's been going on for five minutes as you have been slagging off this ghost. (laughs) And so I point to the kitchen uh, cabinet and she walks up to the kitchen cabinet, opens up the, the cabinet. And my stack of dinner plates are vibrating like like it's I don't know, like it's on something that vibrates like it's just just rattling. And I said, just apologize. And she went. I'm sorry. Boom. They stopped instantly. And that's when she just closed the cabinet, went and sat back down and she would never talk about the ghost in the house from that point forward. 
remember. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like you don't you, you don't mess it up. Even even uh, like two of my uh, my good friends, Todd and Jamie, um, when they're over here, they now can pick up. They'll now hear when you start talking about the ghost, like I'm doing now. So I'm keeping an eye out or an ear out for it. When you start talking about the how the, the 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 ghost in the house, every now and then it'll just kind of like kick off for a second just to let you know like yep i know you're talking about me or if you start slagging off the war or slagging off like you know like like talking crap about um like around the time that this house was built like the 1940s it'll start off again so this house was built in the 1940s for it was like military housing so my only guess is that it must have had something whatever whoever the ghost is had some connection to world war ii and you know, through, you know, show some respect kind of a thing. You know, don't be a punk kid. Right. It tells you, like, knock that crap off. Not in this house. Okay. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like what I, or as you know, what I say all the time on the podcast is that I honestly think that the science is, it will explain the paranormal. Um, it's, it's getting there already. There are some things that we can't explain. Like, if you would have said a hundred years ago, oh, quartz can, you know, power things, people would have looked at you like, no, it's just a stupid rock. It's a crystal. But, you know, quartz crystals power stuff. I mean, there's there's quartz watches, there's quartz batteries, there's there's something to the natural stuff around us that can retain energy. And who knows if it retains the energy, why can't it retain residual energy of ghosts or people that live there or times from that house? Right. That kind of stuff sticks around. It really does. You can, you know, that's one thing I like about like, well, as you know, I love old Hollywood, but you walk into something like old, old Hollywood and you can feel it. You can feel that energy from back in the day. And that's why I like it. I'm like, for whatever reason, whether it's just in my mind or if it's actually really there, you can feel that, that, that energy that still exists to this day. Yeah. Even the heart, most hardcore skeptic will get startled. If something happens around them, they, they, didn't expect or can't quite explain you're going to get startled you're going to have that flight or fight response of what the crap was that let me try to rationalize it real quick i can't rationalize it real quick this is kind of creeping me out i mean there's a reason that people love going to haunted houses and you know like amusement park haunted houses because you want that thrill of the unexpected <laughs> which is why i like going to actual haunted locations because I want to see if there will be something that's unexpected that can happen. Like when Sean and I, my buddy, Sean Bishop and I, we're in, um, um, the heck's the name of that plate. There's an Island just off of, uh, off of Southern California, which for the, some reason I'm blanking completely. Um, we went to there for, uh, my buddy Phil's bachelor party and we're walking around, they're doing this tour of this old theater and I'm looking at the tour guide and I noticed this yellow light this yellow circle, which I hate orbs, absolutely hate orbs, but this wasn't an orb. This yellow light start going only on my phone. I look at, like, I look out, nothing, but I'm, I'm recording the lady on my phone, you know, with my camera, and there's this yellow light. And so I kind of like nudge Sean and he looks at the phone and then looks up and tries to figure out where it could possibly be coming from. And it's moving intelligently towards the speaker and then towards what she was talking about. And the whole time I was like, I don't know if that's parent. What, what the crap is happening? Like, I can't, I can't grasp my, I can't, I don't want to interrupt her, but like Sean, the whole time Sean and I are kind of giving each other eyes, like, what is this? What could it possibly, how is it happening? 
how can I rationalize this? And and at the end of the day, we just went, I don't know what that was. So it's it's right. unexplained. Yeah. That's why that's the skeptical part of the skeptical believer. I can't say it was a ghost because I it wasn't. It was just a yellow light on my my camera phone, but I don't know what the crap it was. To this day, I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I love when things like that, even if they're like, if somebody was to like explain to you like this is what was going on like even that to me is that's an interesting story too I just oh like yeah it. no i want that i want someone to be like nope here's what happened like in south carolina there's those lights that people see from the freeway and everybody's been saying that they're paranormal forever and then this guy went out there and went and looked at the lights watched them and then figured out that oh no it's it's from this road it's just the way that the light hits the the um the low the the low cloud levels the way the light just happens to hit it it refracts and if you're standing in a certain spot you're going to see that refraction and it didn't make those things less cool to me it made it way more cool because here's something that shouldn't happen that's happening but science could explain it and i love that right. stuff yeah i agree heck yeah <laughs> there's um something you said i don't remember what it was but anyway <laughs> There was one night I was walking the dogs and I saw this, this light in the sky and it was like kind of egg shaped and it would just like flash three times, but it was like going like fast. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, huh, that happened. Like, yeah, like, what do you this, do? like as a kid, I would have been like, holy crap. But I was just like, well, <laughs> that's what it is these days, I guess. Yeah. Like, like there's, you, you get to that that age or that level of, of acceptance where you're like, well, that, that, there we go. There's one of those. I don't know what it was, but yeah, see, like, that's the kind of stuff that I like. Like when I had, when I had my UFO experience over the Las Vegas strip, you know, we were walking out of one casino. I think it was the luxury. We we're walking towards, I think Excalibur. Um, and we're, as soon as we walked out of one casino out to the other, I looked up and there's this ginormous triangle, black triangle, with white circles under it, exactly like what people now are seeing. But this was in the 90s, like 93, maybe. But it's what people are now are seeing as these black triangle UFOs. And I went, and then I kind of looked around. It's like, everybody else seeing this? Because I haven't been drinking. And then the people that were around me looked up and were all, but everybody was calm about it. And they were like, well, that's weird. And we all kind of watched it for a couple of minutes. And then for some reason, all right, let's move on to the Excalibur. And everybody's kind of went on their day when it should have been everybody stopping <laughs> and being like, what the hell are we looking at here? Right. And I have no explanation for that. You know, like, as you know, I've been talking about disclosure forever. Um, it would, you know, if, if today they came out and said, yep, UFOs are real and aliens are real and they've been visiting us for 50 years. Yeah, it'd be a big news story. But in three days, whatever the next news story is will take over and it's everybody will just, everybody will go on with their lives and go, yep, yeah. I knew it. I knew that was the case. Um, whereas, you know, if this was in the 1950s, the world would end and everybody would be run into churches. It just doesn't happen anymore. It's a different time. Yeah. Like you said, especially, I don't think anybody got out of the pandemic unscathed uh -huh. and whether that be physical or mental or emotional, like there's something that happened to just about everybody or, or just in like my case, like weight gain, you know, like everybody, like we came out of that differently than we went into it <laughs> out of something that we never expected to happen. I never thought in my lifetime, Oh, the world's just going to pause for a bit and everybody's just going to accept it. All right. Well, not everybody. Most people are just going to accept it. All right. Like that's just the way of the world now. Okay. You know, it's a different, it's a different right. time.
It is. I was I had gone back and I was listening to some of the early um, patron episodes. And there was one where you're talking about because um, it was when it first came and they were just saying, stay in, stay indoors for two weeks. And so like everyone's just like, hey, let's just stay indoors for two weeks. And then I feel like after that two weeks was over, people were like, nope, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. I was um, I-, I bought a hot rod that I was working on during the pandemic. That's what kept me kind of sane. But I was in my garage. I was working on the hot rod and my neighbor came walking by just like in a tizzy, like freaked out. And I was like, hey, Kel, what's going on, man? And he's like, I can't do this anymore, man. I can't do this. I've been in the house for like two weeks. I can't do it. And I was just like, oh, I'm kind of fine. I'm not, no, you know, like, yeah, I miss my my friends. But besides that, I'm good. I had nothing to do. I was happy to just be at home and actually get some stuff done around my house. Right. Besides like, you know, like my work, my day job, I was driving to downtown LA in like a demilitarized zone, right by the Cecil Hotel. Uh, well, there's a spooky, spooky story that happened to me as well. I'll tell you that in a second. But like, it's just like the demilitarized zone of downtown LA. I never felt safe in a building where the USGS moved out of because it wasn't earthquake safe. And that's the building we moved into. And I was like, why are we here? This is California. We shouldn't like this is terrible. And so like for me, I was ecstatic. I'm like, I, get, I just get to stay home. I don't have to drive to downtown LA and fight the traffic and, you know, in an unsafe building. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. Win-win situation for me. Right. All right. Let me tell you the Cecil story real quick. You know what the Cecil hotel is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spooky, spooky hotel. Even if you don't believe like Elisa Lamb was killed by a ghost, which I don't think she was. I think it was something mental, but a lot of like serial killers and like a lot of crazy crap happened in the Cecil hotel. There's bad talk about energy. There's bad energy at the Cecil hotel. And um, I didn't like being in the building that I worked in, obviously. So when it was lunchtime, I was like, I'm out. I want to be out. You know, if the earthquake happens while I'm on lunch break, I have a chance I'll survive. So I, they gave us these ginormous um, Bluetooth headphones, like over the ear Bluetooth headphones. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Because that way, when you got those headphones on, people don't bother you every two seconds. A lot of the, the homeless and unhoused people would just, you know, harass you, whether, you know, good, bad or the other. So I was like, this will this will be perfect. I can actually get out of my own head and, and just walk around downtown LA and look at the old architecture. That's cool. So I had these headphones on. I was listening to music and I was just walking in that general direction. And I was like, oh, well, I'm right here. I might as well take some photos of the Cecil Hotel for the fans of the show and myself. <laughs> and so in right in front of the Cecil Hotel on the ground in cement, they have these giant gold letters that say Hotel Cecil, kind of like a boundary, if you will, like around the hotel. And I was listening to the music. And I stepped onto the gold letters. And the second I, my foot touched the gold letters, my headphones cut out. And I was like chuckling to myself. I'm like, well, that was weird. That was a weird coincidence. Maybe I didn't charge the headphones enough, but I'm going to leave them on because that way people won't bother me uh, because it's really in, in like skid row right there. So I took a bunch of photos of the Cecil hotel, as many as I could. And then when I was like, all right, this is getting kind of sketchy. I'm going to get out of here. I started to walk away. As soon as I stepped over that boundary again, the hotel letters on the ground, my music came back on in my headphones instantly. Wow. And I was like, what the crap? Like, like there's some stuff that you just can't explain that, I, you know, if I was going to make it up, I'd make up a better story than that. I would say right. and I saw a face up in the hotel. No, it's just, it was just something weird that happened that I can't explain. 
and the music stayed on the whole way back into work and the rest of the day too. I listened to him while I was at work. So there's, it wasn't like it was a battery issue. It wasn't like I had no signal. Can't explain it. It was the Cecil hotel being really creepy. <laughs> wow. That is really interesting. Yeah. 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 I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you said like, um, you talk about paranormal investigating, like to me, <laughs> I love to hear people's stories about that, but I don't think I could ever do it like because I'm just too big of a wimp and I don't want to invite that, that <laughs> into my life. You know what, though? That's that's a good reason. The, the wimp stuff makes me laugh, but the, the not that inviting it in your life. That is a good reason because you really are. You're opening yourself up to stuff. And when you open yourself up to stuff, you might get some stuff back. So you're not wrong in that aspect. But, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'd. I like it. I don't like calling it ghost hunting because you're not hunting anything. It's just paranormal right. investigating. Like, so I go on paranormal investigations and I'll be honest, eight times out of 10, nothing will happen, but nor should it. Like I said, it's not like the haunted mansion ride at Disneyland. It's not going to kick off every time you walk in. And that's right. what makes me go, okay, maybe there is something here. And just, I was on the wrong day at the wrong time, or it just didn't like my energy, but that one time when something does happen, because I've been to David Oman's house a number of times. And when one day I was there, I don't know, like six, seven hours and nothing happened. And I had told my friends about like all the creepy stuff that had happened. You can't wait till you guys see this. And we walked in. It was just like, it was just this cool mansion on the side of the hill in Beverly Hills. And who cares? And, you know, nothing happened. And I was like, well, that's, that's, that's just how it goes. <laughs> but you could do it, man. I know you could do it. The, the key is... <laughs> Don't do it by yourself that you'll psych yourself up so much that, you know, anything happens. It'll, it'll legitimately scare you. You just got to go with like the right people and, 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 you know, just go in confidence and, and, and dip your toe in, do one of those haunted tours of whatever city you happen to be in. And, you know, you'll, you'll be like, Oh, that's, that was nothing bad. I, I could do that. And then you could do on a guided paranormal <laughs> investigation. That's nothing bad. But then when you do your own, that's when you find out if you've really got the, 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 the moxie for it, because there are some people that when it's like, you know, time to actually walk through a place by yourself, you're like, nah, I can't do that. I don't want to be part of this, which I think is fun. I like doing it. That's funny. Yeah. I already know I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everybody, but then again, you know, it's for some reason with all these, you know, ghost shows on TV nowadays, it has to be with the lights completely out at some old haunted sanatorium. And, you know, you're you're wearing night vision like there doesn't need to. Be, if there's nothing in a ghost book anywhere that says the ghost will only come out in a haunted sanitarium in the dark. Like, put, turn the lights on, walk around the place. It's spooky enough as is. Why are you making it even worse? <laughs> I'm the type of person that even like I'll watch those TikTok videos and I know it's not real. It's just fake. And it's like, I appreciate the, uh, the production value of it, yeah. but it still creeps me out. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's because it's that, it's that fear of the unknown. It's that, that, yeah. like that, 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 what is that? Like primordial or whatever that, that the primal, that primal fear that, they, you know, we used to be hunted by ginormous things. So who knows what's out there? And, you know, it, again, you, you walk into a, there's nothing creepier than my great uncle's farmhouse, which was next door to my grandparents' house, his barn was if you could film the next 10 horror movies in that barn, there's just ginormous hooks with like 
what the hell was Grand, uh, Great Uncle Chris doing in this <laughs> bar, man? But there's like this dusty hooks and and axes and and sides on the wall, and I'm just like, this place is terrifying. And as a kid, I'd be running around in there playing and and going upstairs. And then I, when I went back as an adult for the last time, I was like, why the hell was anyone ever letting me into this place, man? This is a murder scene waiting to happen. No kidding. Yeah, it's creepy. Different times, I guess. Heck yeah, <laughs> 70s, man. It was a different time. I wasn't allowed in until the streetlights came on. And then, you know, just go out and play in the woods. Who cares? Exactly. Uh, so let me ask you this. Has there ever been anything that, like... Um, I wrote it down, but I lost my questions. Oh, that's even better. I like it. You're on the spot. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Has there anything ever been anything that you um, believed in? And then once you did the research, you're able to debunk and it was kind of a disappointment that you could debunk it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, rolling it back to the Chupacabra, man. Um, the Chupacabra is definitely every Chupacabra that they've ever caught has been a coyote or a dog with mange. And it's just sad. And it's just a bummer thing. Um, <clears throat> look, I want nothing more than the weird lizardy, red glowing eyes, goat sucker kind of a creature that's been, you know, caught everywhere. I want nothing more than that thing to be real. But the more I look into it, the less I'm like, yeah, this thing isn't real. Unfortunately, <clears throat> that's one I can check off the list. And then there was every like when I was growing up, there was all these, um, you know, like old stories of of these traveling carnivals that had you know, a caveman on ice or a Bigfoot that was killed. And those I, I wanted to be real, like every one of those I wanted to be real. And then I was like, oh, these are just people just scamming people for no reason. Like they, I found this stone giant. No, you didn't. You made it. That's just dumb. And, and you know, like there'll be episodes where I'm all excited about like, oh, I'm going to bring it back to me. You know what I liked when I was a kid. I'm going to do an episode on this. And then instantly, like not instantly, but like in 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, well, this story was fake. There was a story that I was 100% convinced was real prior to doing this podcast of this guy that just kind of blipped out of time from the past from like, say, like the late 1900s into 1915 was hit by a car in Brooklyn. I think it was Brooklyn, but in New York. And when we, you know, was killed and they found all this old stuff on him. And they were like, who is this guy? How did he get here? This guy was obviously, you know, walked into a vortex or somehow time traveled. And I was convinced that, cause it's been reported a number of times on like big news sources and stuff. Like there was this man and it was this crazy kind of thing that happened back in the day in New York. And I was going to do a full episode about it. One of my earliest episodes I was going to do about it. And then when I started looking into it, my buddy Mickey was like, wait, what are you doing an episode about? And I told him and he's like, here you go. It's fake. And I was like, what? And then I once I once I, I had that like the wind knocked out of my sails, I looked into it and I was like, oh, it really is fake. And here's that core story. Here's where it came from. And everybody's just been regurgitating it as fact again and again and again. And I was like, man, that was a bummer. I wanted I wanted that one to be real. I want the, you know, the mystery in life. You guys just took a right. little bit of my, my childhood. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And there's more. I mean, I'm sure if I actually thought about it, there's there's been many a times when I'm doing research for an episode where I'll get like half the episode outline done. And then I'll find out, oh, well, this is all BS, man. And then I, you know, can debunk the whole thing. And I'm like, man, do I just do a whole debunk episode? Nah, and I'll just scrap it. And I'll scrap an episode that I've been working on for like two weeks. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It happens more than I care to admit, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be very super frustrating. <laughs> it, it is. It does get frustrating because, but it's also like, I could just ignore that. I found that piece that debunked everything because that's what a lot of podcasts do. They just, they go, yeah. for the, they go for the lore of it. Like, and, and I, I could be that guy, but I don't want to be that guy. That's not what I want paranormal almanac to be. I want, you know, if someone, to, you know, legit debunks, I think there's been a, like maybe one time where a fan was like, Hey man, that story you told was actually fake, but I couldn't prove it. I said, cool, find me some evidence. Like I want that. I want fans to be like, you know what you're just talking about. It's not real. I'll, I'll fully gladly admit like, yep, I got duped because I don't want to keep regurgitating the same stuff over and over again that other people are. Yeah. yeah. So since we're on your uh, talking about your podcast, I did have a question. Um, so kind of tell me the difference between the very first time you decided to send an episode out into the world <laughs> versus like what you experience now every time you um, send something. Interesting. I like this question. It's it is different. I'll tell you that uh, the first one, the first episode I ever did, I did with my buddy Mickey because I couldn't fill 30 minutes by myself. I couldn't even imagine talking for 30 minutes and having anybody in the world care. So I was like, Mickey, you got to come on. You got to do it for me. I'll, I'll you know, we'll banter back and forth. It'll be great. And then I think like the next two or three episodes were I called them mini episodes because I didn't have anybody. And I was like, oh, man, this is just me talking. This is rough, man. <laughs> and and I would get so nervous right before I hit record. And at that time, I didn't have like a nice microphone or the or the setup or anything. I just had like some like bluebell microphone. I forget what it was called. This this snowball microphone. And, and it sounded like crap. I was doing it just from my couch. I didn't even like separate myself into anything. I had no idea that in my mind, I was like, there isn't going to be anybody listening, maybe like two or three of my friends. So who cares? Like who cares if it's a bad sounding episode? And I remember it was like, I think four, fourth or fifth episode. And I can't tell you what the episode actually is about, but like the fourth or fifth episode, I got a review and I was like, whoa. This is, I don't know this person. Like a lot of the reviews, I'll be honest, the first three or four reviews, they were like me and then like three of my friends. Like, yeah, this is a great up podcast. You'll love it. But this was like a real review. And I was like, whoa, there's someone out there who's listening to me. That's weird. I got to take this a touch more seriously than I am. And then I didn't, I didn't take it seriously at all. <laughs> but I just kept doing the same thing I was doing. Uh, but some, after about like 15 or 20 episodes, I was like, I'm still going, man. This is, I thought I'd get bored of it or run out of ideas. Everybody told me when you do a paranormal podcast, you're going to run out of ideas by like episode 40. And I'm on like 280 now or whatever I'm at, you know, like I'm not even close to running out of ideas. I, right. <laughs> I got lists of stuff that I haven't talked about that I wrote in the first 20 episodes, you know, things I want to talk about. And, and now, now when I put it out, I want to have a through line through the whole episode. There's episodes that I've been sitting on. Like I can't, I can't get my head around like one about witches. I can't figure out how to do a full episode about witches because I don't know. I can't figure out a through line for it. So somewhere along the way, I figured out I needed a through line somewhere along the way. I figured out that I don't need, I don't need it to be me talking to somebody or talking to nobody. I should say me talking to nobody. I wanted it to be a conversation. 
that if someone listened to the podcast, it's me telling a story, but I'm it's I want it to be conversational. And I early on I decided I'm gonna swear. Because a lot of the podcasts, the paranormal podcasts, especially, they just didn't swear. And I was like, I'm going to separate myself by swearing. That'll be cool. That'll be Quentin Tarantino hip. And so I did that. And then I was like, I want to be, um, if I screwed up while I was telling a story, I could just edit it out and go back and, you know, clean it up. But no, like when I was telling a story, if I said, you know, like 1870, when I meant to say 1780, I would go 1870. Nope. 1780. And I would just correct myself right then and there, knowing people, I left the ums and the ahs and the clearing my throats in there because I wanted it to be a little bit more organic. I didn't want it to be as, as shiny as some of the podcasts, the paranormal podcasts at that point were. Now there's a billion paranormal podcasts and it's hilarious when someone will be like, hey man, this podcast just ripped you off completely. And I'll listen to their episode and they're not even changing anything. They're saying it the way that I said it. And oh I was like, word. come on, guys, change it a little bit. Yeah, you know, like, I don't care that you're stealing from me, but like, I, I don't make enough to live on. So you guys aren't making enough to live on, but change it a little bit. Make it your own thing. So I don't know. I got I made up my mind a long time ago that the episodes have to be around an hour. Why? I don't know. I just picked it. Uh, I made up my mind a long time ago that. I would always thank anybody that was listening. That was really important to me. And a lot of people say it's the death note. Like I tried to listen to your podcast. First two minutes are you thanking people. So I turned it off and everybody's like, you got to take that out. And I'm like, no, that's no, get past it. There's a skip, button, right. you know? So like, I kind of just was like, well, this is my own little corner of the world, corner of the, the internet universe. And if people like me, I would love it. And that's fantastic. If people hate me and there's a lot that do, you know, what am I going to do this? I'm not changing myself. I, I, every now and then I'll apologize because I, I should, I should not have got as, as a defensive as I do when, when critics come at me and I admit it and, and, you know, I'll try to admit it every time I can, but ultimately, you know, come back and come back and listen to another episode. Maybe you'll like me again. That's all I can say. Well, that's one thing I've always appreciated. Um, well, two things. Why I got interested in your podcast is I had been listening to a couple of other uh, paranormal ones and they like everything that could have been one episode, they made into three or four episodes. Yep. And so I liked yours because they were shortened to the point, but then also it just felt like conversational. And I love that. And I've, I've, I appreciate the fact that you do the Patreon stuff because it's like, to me, that's like asking um, you go see a band play and ask you ask them not to play their hits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's just that's how that's just how it is. I, and I love that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, pre I, I appreciate that. You, you. Yeah, that's exactly it's a perfect way of saying that, because that is exactly, you know, like how I feel about that. I want. Again, like I could I could cut these down and I can clean them up and I could put music underneath them and I could do a lot of the stuff that I've, people have told me, like, if you want to get to the next level, do this. And it doesn't feel right for me or, or authentic, I guess, or, or, you know, or me. And then, like I said, you know, like I just decided, well, I guess this is just the level that I'm always going to be at. And I'm fine with that. Like I've reached 
I've got fans around the world, which I never thought I would, which is just bizarre. People that don't speak English are listening to my podcast. And I'm like, right. you know, or as a native language, they don't speak it. But yeah, I was like, how are you? How did you find this little thing, man? And, you know, it's just it's been a crazy, cool journey that I can't think. I can't thank you. I can't thank everyone. You've helped out the show, as you know, and it's little by little that the show's bumped up to where I'm kind of proud of what the, of the stuff that I put out now. Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It was great. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you doing this interview with me. It's been really amazing. <laughs> no, this is just a blast. I'm just, I was just having fun talking to you. This is fun. Cool. And um, I got to say, this is a cool concept. The, 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 I would have done it if you would have just said, Hey man, can I just talk to you for an hour? And I would like, yeah, dude, let's do this. Cause again, you know, you're, you're as, as far as I'm concerned, you're part of the show. Um, so I would have done it in a heartbeat anyway. But then when I saw the concept, I was like, I can get behind this. This is cool, man. Promote the crap out of this on, on the fan page. And I will too, man. Like I'm all excited about like, that's the other thing. Like um, that was one thing that I definitely, definitely wanted to do for like the 200th episode was, was have it be promoted from like, I want to help promote the fans and, you know, like even Fishboy, a band that was already there and real when I discovered him, I was like, I'm going to promote the crap out of this guy because he's cool as hell. And like, so I love promoting people like, like, I think if everybody, if everybody cool told everybody that about this other thing that they know or this other person they know that's cool, the world will be a much better, much cooler place. Well, cool. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, keep man. up the good work on your podcast. Ah, thank amazing. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, this was a blast. I can't thank you enough. And uh, if you need anything else, please, please let me know. I'm here to help. Cool. Will do. Thank you so much, Kurt. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. If you like what you have heard so far today, please take the time to rate and review the show. For more music from the Bargain Basement Butterflies, please visit Bandcamp or your favorite digital media store. If you are interested in merch, visit TeePublic and search for the Bargain Basement Butterflies. Now let's talk about this week's song. When I was putting this song together, the way that he says bad energy, I really enjoyed that. And I thought, you know, if I could put a little bit of an echo on that and just kind of see what happens after that. And so I kind of build that around as if that's the chorus and then the things in between are like the verses. So please enjoy this week's song. Bad energy. Bad energy. Bad energy. Bad energy. Bad energy. Bad energy. The Cecil Hotel. Bad energy. All right, let me tell you the Cecil story real quick. Spooky, spooky hotel. A lot of like serial killers, like a lot of crazy crap happened in the Cecil Hotel. There's bad, talk about energy. There's bad energy at the Cecil Hotel. Bad energy. 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 So I had these headphones on, I was listening to music, and I was just walking in that general direction, and I was like, oh, well, I'm right here. I might as well take some photos of the Cecil Hotel. Right in front of the Cecil Hotel, on the ground in cement, they have these giant gold letters that say Hotel Cecil. Kind of like a boundary, if you will, like around the hotel. 
and I was listening to the music and I stepped onto the gold letters. And the second I, my foot touched the gold letters, my headphones cut out. And I was like chuckling to myself, I'm like, that was weird. That was a weird coincidence. Maybe I didn't charge the headphones enough, but I'm gonna leave them on because that way people won't bother me. So I took a bunch of photos of the Cecil Hotel, as many as I could. I started to walk away. As soon as I stepped over that boundary again, the hotel letters on the ground, my music came back on in my headphones. And I was like, what the crap? Like, like there's some stuff that you just can't explain. And the music stayed on the whole way back into work. And the rest of the day too, I listened to them while I was at work. So there's, it wasn't like it was a battery issue. It wasn't like I had no signal. Can't explain it. Bad energy. 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 My mom actually told me a ghost story from the, my grandparents' house, like when, when she was growing up. And it wasn't just like a one-time story. That was constant. Like there was, there was activity at my grandparents' house. And then when I was, you know, growing up and, and ghosting with grandma and grandpa, the spooky old 1800s house, you go down in the basement, it's all like, you know, big wood timber beams and rocks, like just thrown against the wall, like 1800s stuff. We'd, be, we'd all be in the living room and someone would be clearly walking on the second floor of the house. Bad energy. 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 There's nothing creepier than my great uncle's farmhouse, which was next door to my grandparents' house. His barn, if you could film the next 10 horror movies in that barn, there's just ginormous hooks and axes and, and sides on the wall. And I'm just like, this place is terrifying. Terrifying. Bad energy. 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 Somewhere along the way in life, you fall in love. You fall in love. You fall in love. You fall in love. Somewhere along the way in life, you fall in love with the unknown. The unknown. The unknown. The unknown. Thank you for fluttering in to this week's episode of Beyond the Doorway. Thank you to today's guest for taking the time to be a part of this project. And thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen. See you next time. Have a good week.